we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Luke chapter 7, let's begin reading there in verse number 36. The Bible says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose he, uh, that he to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 47 Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace." Look at verse number 47 there. In the middle of the verse, it says, For she loved much. For she loved much. We'll speak on that subject here after a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the singing this morning. Lord, and the music has been wonderful. My heart has been stirred from the lyrics of these songs. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, as we continue in worship to you this morning, that you would be the center of everything that's done here. Lord, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would guide my thoughts as I speak and speak to the hearts of your people. In your name we pray, amen. So we get to this very interesting story at the end of Luke chapter 7. I'll get you caught up with what's going on here. This is a big chapter and and there's a lot going on here. So at the beginning of chapter 7, if you'll go back and look at this, um, Jesus has just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He comes into Capernaum and he's quickly greeted by some Jewish elders. These Jewish elders approach Jesus and they say, there's a centurion who is worthy of your presence and has a servant who is sick that needs healing. So these Jewish elders come to Jesus and they say, he is worthy 
Isn't it interesting that the Jewish people, they always come with their pride and their arrogance. So Jesus goes with them in spite of them, and he comes near to the centurion's house. And in one gospel record, it tells us that the centurion came out, and this one, it tells us that he sent some men. Either way, these were words from the centurion, and his first words were, I am not worthy for you to come into my house, a Gentile. A Gentile. He says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Jesus, of course, heals the servant here. Then as Jesus goes on, the Bible tells us in verse 11, the next day he goes to the city of Nain, and his disciples are following him, and this great multitude are following him, and he runs upon this funeral procession. And this widow woman is there, and she's, she's leading this procession with the casket that her son is laying in, and he's been dead. She doesn't ask anything of Jesus. She doesn't say anything to him. Jesus just sees the need there. He sees the situation that this woman was in, and he, the Bible says that he touches the beer, the casket there, puts his hand on it, and this boy is raised from the dead. And there's a multitude of people there with Jesus. There's a multitude following the funeral procession, and they're all there watching this take place. And you, you can imagine as Jesus' ministry is, is vamping up and, and his popularity is spreading and word is spreading of this prophet, the Bible tells us. This prophet who's, who's healing people and casting out demons and giving sight to the blind. And, this is, and then we get to the story here that Pastor preached last week on John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist was in prison and he sends two men to, to find out, is this the man that we've been waiting for or are we looking for somebody else? Look we for another. We're looking for somebody else or are you, are you the Messiah that John the Baptist preached of? You see, John was a little bit confused. He was expecting something a little bit different from Jesus. And Jesus just t simply tells the two men, you see it in verse 21 and 22, he just says, just follow me. And what does Jesus do? Well, he doesn't have to explain himself. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't go into this long, detailed speech and, uh, and give all his explanation. He just says, follow me, and I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. You know, when you're doing the will of God, you don't have to explain yourself to every critic. When you're just doing what God wants you to do, you don't have to explain yourself to everybody. You just keep doing what you're doing. And Jesus says, just follow me. And what did he do? Well, he's, he's healing the sick. He's giving sight to the blind. The Bible tells us that he made the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised. He's just doing all the same things that he's been doing. But now these two men are watching and they take word back to John. And then in a few verses here, Jesus goes on to give his explanation of who John was. And uh, he tells him what kind of man John was. And then in verse 30, we see the Pharisees and lawyers, those educated, rejected the counsel of God. And then down in verse 34, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. This is Jesus. And ye say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. And Jesus here is saying, what else am I to do? What else am I to do? You're going to criticize anything that I do. What else am I to do except for what the Father sent me to do? Then we come to this interesting story. You see, the first part of this chapter shows us Jesus' compassion, shows us how Jesus treated people. He looked on this woman and he had compassion on her. He looked at the centurion, the Gentile, and had compassion on his servant. 
He's showing people love, and, and, and that's maybe some of why John was, was a little bit confused. He was looking for an established kingdom for somebody to come and, and, and lay the law down, but Jesus came lovingly and, and, and humbly, loving people and showing compassion on them, and that's how we should treat people. But then we get to this part of the chapter, and it shows us not necessarily how Jesus treated people, but how Jesus deserves to be treated. And I want to talk to you on this subject of for she loved much. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions leading into it. Why don't we love God like we should? Or why don't we express our love for God like we should? What about this question? Why do we allow those who are not serious about the Lord dictate what we do or don't do for God? Why does the Bible tell us that she loved much? Of course she loved much because she was forgiven much. She loved much. Number one, I want you to see an uncommon setting. Look at verse number 36. And one of the Pharisees, one of these, one of these Pharisees, we're going through uh, the life of Christ. I teach sixth grade Bible here, and I, I love teaching sixth graders. And uh, we're going through the life of Christ in our, in our class. And these Pharisees, they just keep popping up everywhere. And every time we get to them, I say, well, there's those, there are those Pharisees again. There they are again. And the, uh, the kids uh, know who they are and know about those Pharisees. And there they are again. And one of the Pharisees, this one, his name was Simon, asked Jesus to come and eat with him. We're not sure exactly why. We can, uh, knowing who the Pharisees are, we can kind of guess that they're, they're, they're pulling Jesus in to, to question him and, and, and to criticize him and uh, to accuse him maybe of some things. Because remember, the rumor is going around that there's this great prophet out there and he's, he's performing miracles and, and he's doing things that we haven't heard of before. And so there's this great prophet and so they're looking for him. They're looking for this great prophet. So they invite him to dinner. By the way, Jesus spent a lot of time eating meals with people. He showed hospitality to those that he was ministering to. He ate with publicans and sinners. He, he ate with, uh, with his friends. He ate with his family. And then here, an interesting, an interesting setting where he's eating with the Pharisees. So these Pharisees, we see this invitation. They brought him in. And uh, the, fair, the word Pharisee actually means separated, distinct, different. You see, the Pharisees, uh, they were well-educated on the law. They knew about the law of God. They knew God. But they didn't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. You see, their problem was they were so strict on the law, which the law is important, but what they had done was they had raised some of their own rules and regulations in order to keep the law, which was okay, but they had raised those to equal with the law. And that was a problem. So they set their own rules and standards as if that was the law. And so Jesus, when he comes on the scene, even, even at his birth, he's, he's a disruptor. He's an interrupter. He's, he comes on the scene and he just disrupts everything that the Pharisees are, are trying to do and teach and, and keep all these laws. And, and Jesus is trying to teach these Pharisees, it's not as much about keeping the law. I, I am the Son of God, the one that, uh, that the Old Testament prophesies of. I am he. I am, I am the one. I'm the Savior. And they miss that relationship. This invitation here, this was not an invitation like Zacchaeus who wanted to know Jesus. This was not an invitation like Levi who had just given his life to Jesus. 
This was a chance to be accusatory and to question. I want you to picture this scene. Jesus walks in to Simon's house. He comes into Simon's house, and it was, it was more of a courtyard-type setting, so it was kind of an open-air area, and these men would often come together and, and, and speak on the law in the evenings and eat their meals, and it was, it was fairly normal for, for others, to, for passerbys to come by and stand and to kind of listen to the conversations that were taking place. And so Jesus comes in, and I don't want you to picture a, a regular dining room table like we have today. These were low to the floor, and they often, uh, or, or would it be their custom, is they would lean on their left side, and their feet would be laying beside them, their, their feet behind them, and they would eat with their right hand as they're kind of lounging around this table. So Jesus is there, and he's there with a group of Pharisees. And Jesus knows these Pharisees. He's encountered them quite often. And so he's eating this meal, and he comes to this. And by the way, anywhere that Jesus was invited, he often went. He wasn't scared of the situation. But then I want you to see the interruption. Look in verse 37. And behold, and behold, the story changes. I want you to imagine the Pharisees, the look on their face when this woman walks in. Behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. A sinner. We're going through this story in our Bible class, and, and if you're a teacher in here, you understand what I'm going to say. When you're teaching, uh, oftentimes you're, you're just not really sure uh, if they're getting it or if they're following along with you or anything like that, especially sixth graders. And then when they raise their hand, you'll know this too, it usually has nothing to do with what you're teaching them. About 95% of the time. So I'm going through this story, and I'm reading through this, and a, and a young man in our Bible class raises his hand. Yes. He says, aren't we all sinners? And I just stopped for a second, as you can imagine. I, you know, I caught my breath first because it had something to do with what we were talking about. And I just, I kind of stopped and used that opportunity and said, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And that's the point. And this sinner walks in, and she interrupts this meal. And you can imagine, to go, go, go to this meal in your mind and, and sit, see there the Pharisees as they're watching. Now, Simon was there, but there might have been some Pharisees there that might have been on the fence about Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but there were others there, and, and there might have been some that were, uh, they were skeptical, but they were almost leaning towards, well, maybe he is the Son of God. Maybe this is the one that we've studied and that we've learned in the law. Maybe this is him. And so maybe there's all these Pharisees there, and she walks in. The Bible says, behold, behold. You see, Jesus was an interrupter. Everywhere that he went, the scene changed. Everywhere Jesus was, it was different. When he came to this earth, when he went into the temple, when he was in the boat, when he was in the house, everywhere that he went, it was different. The scene changed. And this woman comes in, this sinner. The Bible says that she knew, verse 37, she knew that Jesus sat at meat. So we see her response. She came in, she entered humbly. She was broken with her tears. She entered purposely. 
She had experienced her past life. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly uh, what this woman did, but, but we understand and many believe that she was uh, some sort of prostitute living in this type of lifestyle because she was a notorious sinner, one that these Pharisees knew. When she walked into the mill, they knew who that was. They like, oh boy, here comes this sinner. And these Pharisees, they had no dealings with sinners. They, they, they had no dealings with those who were notorious Sinners, the Bible says that she knew, she had seen Jesus before, and she came in, she was prepared. The Bible says that she brought, what did she bring? She brought an alabaster box of ointment. This is her offering. She was prepared. This woman has definitely been with Jesus before. We know this because of how she entered into the house. She was not confused by who Jesus was. She was not confused that he was there. She knew that Jesus was there, and that's why she went into the house, because Jesus was there, not because the Pharisees invited her, not because she wanted a meal, but because Jesus was there. And she stood, notice her position, she stood. And remember, I told you Jesus is lounging down here and he's, his, his legs out beside him and probably his feet behind him and she walks up behind Jesus. Now at this point, the Bible doesn't tell us that, that Jesus has even acknowledged her or, or said anything to her or even looked at her. But she stands there, she comes up behind Jesus, and she's just standing at his feet, and she's crying. She's weeping, the Bible tells us. Notice what Spurgeon says. He says, those are blessed words at his feet. That is, where we all, uh, that is where we also would stand and weep. That is where we would sit and learn. That is where we would wait and serve. That is where we hope to live and reign forever, at his feet. This woman stood at his feet behind him as if she were unworthy to be looked upon by him, but found it honor enough to be behind him so long as she was but near him at his feet, behind him weeping with sorrow for her sin, with joy for her pardon, with delight in her Lord's presence, perhaps with grief at the prospect of what yet awaited him. She wept. This is her emotion. So she's seen Jesus before. She had been with Jesus before, and she comes in broken and weeping. And now, listen, this isn't, just, this isn't just a tear running down the cheek. This is a sobbing, an uncontrollable cry, tears flowing down and falling down. And she uses those tears to wash Jesus' feet. You ever been crying uh, where you can't control it? We've got, you all know Emma Lynn, four-year-old daughter. She, uh, she's emotional like most little girls. And so... Anytime, you know, when she gets in trouble, right, or she gets a spanking or, or we have to discipline her in, in, in some way, she gets upset with herself. And so she'll start crying, of course, and, and she'll, she'll be breathing, you know, that, that, I don't know what you call that, but where you can't really control your, you know, and, she, and she's just sobbing and, and it, her tears are just flowing and, she's, and, and we'll hear her say, I can't stop. I can't stop. And we're like, it's okay, Emily, just breathe, just breathe, it's okay, it's okay, you know. That's the way this woman was. I imagine she's just sobbing, and she just can't stop. She's breathing, and she just, she doesn't know what else to do. So she washes his feet. She's showing adoration for Jesus. This was her service. This was a humbling action. She kissed, and she anointed you can imagine the scene there. Think of the Pharisees as they're watching this woman express her love for Jesus. This woman didn't have all the answers. 
She didn't know what the Pharisees knew. She wasn't a student of the law. She didn't know what she was supposed to do in situations like this. She, she had come into a situation. She hadn't been around Jesus like some of the disciples had been around Jesus. She didn't know what was the custom, what was, what was supposed to be done. All she knew was that she loved Jesus. And Jesus forgave her of her past life and forgave her of her sin. And she was just pouring out to Jesus. Then the scene changes again. Here we go. Look at verse 39. We see the insinuation. Now when the Pharisee, there he is. There they are. They're always there. Now when the Pharisee, verse 39, which had bidden him, saw it. He spake within himself. So he's thinking in his mind, this man, this man. He was, he, he was insinuating that this man was a prophet. Remember, that was the rumor that was going around. So he's insinuating, saying, if he were a prophet, if he, if he really were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. So he's insinuating that, that, that Jesus wasn't the prophet that they had heard of. And then he's insinuating that she is a sinner and he is not. And that scene changes. You see, Jesus was often accused of this. Matthew 9, verse 9 through 13 says, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yes, Simon, she is a sinner, and so are you. My question for you this morning is, which side of the table are you sitting on? Which side of that dinner table would you be on? And I, I've just got to be honest with you this morning. This message comes solely from a heart of conviction on my own. And as I'm teaching this story to our sixth grade Bible class, I am convicted. I am convicted at which side of the table I would be sitting on. Because haven't we all been on that side of the table where we sit back and we kind of watch someone else pour out their love and adoration for Jesus Christ. And we kind of just sit back and watch and wonder, is it, is it real? Have you been there? I've been on that side of the table where you're kind of criticizing what others are doing for God. Have you ever been like a Pharisee and you, and you, and you think, man, how could someone love God that much? Now, we would never say those things, but neither did Simon. He just thought them. Have we had those thoughts? Then number two, look at verse 40, we see an unusual story. An unusual story. So we're just walking through this passage, and I want to lay out these scenes for you. An unusual story in verse 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. So he says, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And Simon says, Master, teacher, go ahead. Say what you need to say. Jesus here is revealing his deity and his omniscience. Knowing the thoughts that Simon is thinking, he answers with a lesson and a parable. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. 
And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, Simon, which of them will love him most? Well, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he. I think the one that, uh, that owed the most and was forgiven of the most would love him most. And Jesus says, you are correct. That is correct. You see, these, these debtors, they were, they were different. They both owed different amounts. And Jesus is trying to paint this picture here as he often did with these parables. And he said, there's these two men and they both owe the creditor this amount of money. Now this guy over here, he only owes, uh, he, he only owes about 50 bucks. And then this guy over here, uh, he owes much more than 50 bucks. Ten times the amount. And you've got two different men here, and you've got a creditor, and the creditor goes to these men, and he says, now listen, uh, I know you owe me this amount of money, but don't worry about it. It's completely taken care of. It's completely forgiven. And then he comes over to this guy, and he says, don't worry about what you owe me. It, it's completely taken care, care of. It's, it's forgiven. Don't worry about it. And there are two different reactions here, two different reactions. Now, put yourself in these shoes. If you owed somebody a small amount of money, and they came to you and said, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay it. We would be grateful, wouldn't we? Maybe a handshake. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I mean, I could give you the money, but I, I appreciate that. Then you come over here to this side and, and put yourself over here. Uh, the, the fact that you, owe, uh, that you would owe a lot more than you're willing to pay, probably a lot more than you would pay for a, a car, and that you owe that, that money to this person. And they said, don't worry about it. It's completely forgiven. There's two different reactions here. This one would probably be a jump up and a hug and a kiss on the cheek, depending on who it was, right? You would be excited about this debt being paid for. And Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisee. The reason, the reason that she loved much is because she knew how much she was forgiven. The Pharisees thought, well, I haven't sinned like this woman has sinned, so I haven't been forgiven of much. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how much or how openly we have sinned, we're all sinners and we've all been forgiven of much. And these Pharisees, they thought of themselves, listen to this, as easy to forgive. Easy to forgive. So the one, the one forgiven of little loved little. And when we love little, this is our thought. We're thankful for forgiveness, but we're not that bad of a person so it's not difficult to forgive us. The person who was forgiven of much loves a lot, and we know the depth of our sin nature and understand that God forgiving me should not be a normal thing. We should understand that we should not be forgiven. We do owe a debt. We all owe this debt, and we can't pay it. These, these two uh, debtors, they were destitute. They didn't have anything to give. Neither one of them had anything to offer, but they were completely covered. They were completely paid for fully forgiven, no more debt. And if you're in here this morning, if you're in here this morning, then you too have been forgiven. You too have been forgiven of a sin debt that we owed. And Jesus paid it all. And just like this woman, we should express this love to Jesus. I want you to notice this, number three, there was a unique sacrifice, a unique sacrifice. So Jesus, notice the, the drama here in this story. Jesus turns to the woman. 
as far as we're concerned, the first time. He turns to the woman. Anybody ever talk to you like this? And he, he looks at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. He says, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? And we see this unique sacrifice. She was a perfect example. He told Simon, he says, Simon, listen, this is what you were supposed to do. This is how you were supposed to treat me. He looked at the woman who, who Simon thought was, a, was a, just a, a sinner, a lowly person, someone who had nothing to offer. Why is this prophet? If he were a prophet, he wouldn't allow her to come to him like this. And he says, you, look at, you see this woman? That's what you were supposed to be doing. This is how you're supposed to treat me. Incidentally and in passing, Pharisees will always have great difficulty with extravagant displays of affection on the part of people who really actually love Jesus. There are good people. These Pharisees were not bad people. They were good people. But these Pharisees didn't understand why someone would be completely sold out and express themselves in this way. If you're just a moralist, if you have just decided that religion is a kind of cleanup act, that it is external to your life, you will never understand why it is that people would say, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. You see, his morality blinded him from his own need of forgiveness. Exactly what this woman came in to do is what the, uh, Simon the Pharisee was supposed to do. You see, the custom of the day was when a guest came into your home, you were to wash their feet or you were to have a servant get a bowl of water and wash their feet. You were to greet them with a kiss and you were to anoint them with oil. And you would think, you would think a Pharisee, Simon, would know, especially if Jesus is coming to my house, that he should be treated this way. You would think that Simon would understand that this was how he was supposed to treat anyone, much less Jesus. And so this woman comes in, again, not knowing what she's supposed to do, not having all the answers, not educated, and she just comes in and says, well, this is how I would expect Jesus to be treated. And so she treats Jesus like he deserves and like he's worthy to be treated. And Jesus says, see this woman? That's what you were supposed to do. I can't help it but to think God looking down at me and at my life and think, this is what you're supposed to be doing. But how often do we allow others, believers or non-believers, to dictate how we worship God and what we think about God? See, I don't know what everybody else thinks about God, but I know that I've been forgiven. I know that I was on my way to hell and Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and I know how someone who did that for me should be treated. And that's how we worship. That's how we express our love to Jesus. Not with the idea of, well, people are watching and what are people going to think? And, you know, my friend over there, they're not real serious about it, so they'll think I'm weird. What has Jesus done for you? How should he be treated? How should we express our love to Jesus that died on the cross for our sins. We see this precious exchange. She was a perfect example. Notice, uh, notice with me in verse 44. Simon, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet, so this woman washed my feet with her tears. 
She didn't use a towel to dry his feet off. She let down her hair, which women were not supposed to do. And she dried his feet with her hair. You didn't kiss me. You didn't even give me one kiss. This woman has ceased to kiss my feet since she entered. You didn't anoint my head with oil, and this woman brought in precious, expensive perfume and anointed me with oil. You see the exchange there. It was She didn't wash, just wash his feet. She washed it with her own tears. She didn't just dry them. She dried them with her hair. See, for this woman, uh, concerning our offering to Jesus, when we consider who he is and what he's done, nothing is worth holding back. And this woman understood that she was forgiven of much. She understood that, that she had nothing that she needed to hold back for herself. Everything that she had, she was giving to Jesus. She didn't know what else to do. She didn't know how else to act. It was just an overflowing expression of love. Love is the measure of forgiveness. The love of this woman was not the cause of her forgiveness. It was the evidence of it. It was not the condition of forgiveness. It was the consequence of forgiveness. It was not the result of forgiveness. It was the result of forgiveness, not the reason for forgiveness. It was the fruit, not the root. Her actions were the overflow of God's mercy and grace which he had discovered in this man, Jesus. You see, when others will not treat Jesus like he deserves to be treated, then we, as Christians who understand that we've been forgiven, must treat him like he deserves to be treated. Number four, and in closing, we see this unwavering salvation. This unwavering salvation. For God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, many commentators in preparing for this uh, agree that this woman had been with Jesus before because of how she entered into the home. She was already broken. She was already weeping. She, she had brought her gift to anoint Jesus with. And many believe that she was in the audience when Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. This woman was tired of going from sin to sin, carrying around this burden of sin and selfishness and just seeking the next fleshly desire. She was tired of that burden and Jesus said, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And this woman says, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living this life. I'm just going to give it to Jesus. I'm just going to give my life to Jesus. And so she just gave her life to Jesus. You see, it was not her tears that saved her. It was not her expensive offering that saved her. It was not her humility in bowing at his feet that saved her. Jesus said, thy faith hath saved thee. All of those other things was an expression of love for her Savior. So because she was saved, she wept because she, was, she knew Jesus. She brought the offering. Because she had been forgiven, she humbled herself and bowed down at his feet. We sing the song in here often, what love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. 
thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, but His mercy is more. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. The Southeastern Conference has this uh, saying that they use in their uh, commercials and uh, to promote the Southeastern Conference. It says it just means more. Whatever. I don't know if it does or not for the Southeastern Conference, but for this woman. It just meant more. It just meant more to her. Which side of the table are you sitting on? The Pharisees were sitting back, well-dressed, with their arms crossed, watching this woman and her expression of love to Jesus. Maybe some even thought, I'd like to join her, because that's how I feel. Maybe some thought, who is, what is, is, it, is, is it even real? You know, does she, think, does she think she's better than us? Who does she think she is? We can all be critical, can't we? And, and I am by no means up here saying that, that sin is okay. Of course, Jesus came in and he ministered and he, he taught and preached repentance of sin and we must turn from our sin and we must repent of our sin. As a matter of fact, Jesus took it a step further and he says, not even have you committed this, but have you thought it in your mind, then you've committed that sin. So he's against sin. But he says, I'm the answer that you're looking for. I am the forgiveness. It just means more. Notice the comparisons. If you go to chapter 8, we don't have time. If you go to chapter 8 and verse number 1, it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and certain women, certain women, you think this woman was in that group? Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. This woman decided she was going to give her life to Jesus. These Pharisees, they knew a lot about God. They knew the law. They were well educated. But they stayed back. This woman, she... She didn't really understand a lot. I'm sure she didn't know a lot of ins and outs of the laws and the traditions. She knew one thing. She was a sinner. She was a sinner. Her sins were many. but His mercy was more. And so therefore, she loved much. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.